0: The Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we are back to the losing ways, we are back to the talking about losses here on this podcast. We had one good week uh, last week when we got to finally talk about a win after the Providence game, but I guess that the college basketball gods said that was enough, that was enough happiness. It's back to the losing. Not only is it back to the losing, it is back to the uh, heart-crushing, soul-stealing type losses like we saw on Monday night against Xavier at Madison Square Garden. We all know the story by now. St. John's, five-point lead, two minutes to go, 74-69. Xavier closed the game on an 8 nothing run, uh, ends up winning the game 77-74. Uh, obviously, St. John's with some head-scratching offensive possessions down the stretch and some really, really questionable Decisions, especially by uh, LJ Figueroa down the stretch, leads to a three-point loss and now 14-12 overall and 3-10 and in the Big East. I talked a little bit about this game on Monday night. I did a periscope after the game, so I'm not going to focus on that uh, too much right now. If you haven't checked out that periscope, you definitely can. It's still up on my Twitter. Uh, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you certainly are welcome to as well. I'm at Troy Moriello, T-R-O-Y-M-A-U-R-I-E-L. Go check out that Periscope. It's about I think 13 minutes long, uh, talking about the game, the post-game. So check that out if you haven't already. We're not going to stay on this game too much. What we are going to do is preview the Red Storms game against uh, Seton Hall at the Prudential Center on Sunday. I have a friend, or I wouldn't totally call him a friend. He's more of a rival or an enemy. It's kind of a whole keep your friends close, enemies closer type situation. Uh, He's a big Seton Hall fan, though, and he's going to come on and talk a little bit about the Pirates and their recent struggles as of this recording and uh, help preview the the Red Storm versus uh, Seton Hall game on Sunday where we return to the site of the massacre uh, last season. But... We're about 36 hours out from the from the Xavier game, so I wanted to just give my my quick you know couple of thoughts here that I've been I've been thinking about over the past 24 hours or so, uh, you know since since yesterday morning really. But listen, it, it sucks and and it sucks, and I think I was obviously more upset, you know, in the immediate post game of that game than I am now. I think Zach Braziller had had a fantastic tweet. Uh, after the game on Monday night where I, I don't want to, you know, screw it up, but I'm pretty sure he said something about, you know, this season was all about laying the foundation for next season. You know, St. John's was not expected to do a whole lot this season. And I think that was a perfect summation of how this season should have gone. You know, it was just, just lay the groundwork, I think he said. Lay the groundwork set up for next year in, in what's a loaded Big East this year. And if you're watching these games and you're not at least seeing that then get your eyes checked out, because I don't know what you're watching. You know, the the groundwork is being laid. You can't deny that. Look Look at the games on their schedule this season. And I said this in my Periscope after as well. Look at the games on their schedule this season. Aside from really the first half against Butler when they made a comeback, the first half against Georgetown on the road, and the second half against Villanova, They've competed in every single game or half this season in the Big East. They haven't gotten any wins out of those games or out of most of those games, but they've competed and they've been right there. So anyone who's going to criticize anything that Mike Anderson has done from a macro perspective on this season is crazy. You cannot deny that we're at least headed in the right direction. And we say, you know, there's always next year, there's always next year, there's always next year. I think there's reason to believe after seeing this season, Mike Anderson can coach. You know, there's a reason why the guy has never had a losing season, before, possibly before this year. He can coach. Maybe his in-game coaching leaves a little bit to be desired. Maybe his late-game coaching leaves a little bit to be desired. But compared to the last couple of coaches that St. John's had in here... Just from getting players ready, and motivating players, and getting players to buy in, which I've said a million times, getting players to buy in, Mike Anderson's been the best so far, and you can't deny he's done that this season. Aside from really Ian Steer, who's now suspended, who, I know, what St. John's player has not bought in. He got Mustafa Heron, an all biggies player, to come off the bench in a game, in a couple of games, I mean. He's gotten the most out of Josh Roberts, Greg Williams, Marcellus Erlington, Julian champenny all those guys. So to say that Anderson is not at least laying some kind of groundwork for next season is crazy. He absolutely is. And the future is absolutely bright. So yes, I want to note that. But I, I think this season has been more frustrating than really any before, I think. Because St. John's has had the talent, like I mentioned to compete in every single game this Big East season. They have played 13 games, and really in the second half of every single one of those games, there was moments where you said, hey, maybe we win this game. Even the Villanova game, they got down to single digits in the second half. Georgetown as well, they, I think they got within single digits as well. Every single game, you felt like, hey, maybe we can pull this out. So St. John's clearly has the talent to compete with anyone in the conference. You know, Seton Hall is leading the conference right now as of this recording. St. John's held a 13-point lead at halftime against them. So St. John's clearly has the talent to compete in this version of the Big East, in a version of the Big East that is probably going to send 60% of its teams to the tournament. If Xavier gets in and maybe 70 if Georgetown or Providence can sneak in 80% of the league right now feels like they have at least a shot at the NCAA tournament in late February 80% of the league 60% is going to get in 70% might get in that's out incredible that shows you how tough this conference is and St. John's has been competing and playing in every single game. So they have the talent to compete. They just don't have the talent to win. They're in that weird in-between right now where they have enough talent to compete with every single team, but they don't have enough talent to compete and to win these games. They're in that middle where they have enough talent to beat DePaul. They have enough talent to, to beat Providence at home. But to beat the big boys, they just don't have that talent. They're in that in-between right now. And that's what's made this year so frustrating. Look back on Chris Mullin's first year, the 1-17 in year, the 8-24 year. That team just didn't have enough talent to even compete. You know, no disrespect, but Darian Williams, Duran Johnson, Felix Ballamu, those guys were not Big East-level players. Federico Musini was great, but he was not a number one option on a team. Look at this year, though. Julian Champagny, Marcellus Erlington, Josh Roberts, Greg Williams. Those are Division I Big East level players. They are. They've all turned into that. So they have that talent. It's just a matter of eventually turning that talent into something where you have enough talent to win these games. And right now, they're just in that in-between zone, I feel like. And that's where, that's where the hope for next season comes where you say yes they got a couple of guys coming in and where you say Williams, Champagne, Roberts, Erlington if they all stick around those are second and third year guys can they make more of a jump now i don't think any of those guys are big east you know all big east type players but that's a very good supporting cast and maybe one of these kids coming in next year turns into an all big east player in year 2 or year 3 Maybe they get a kid next year that turns into an all Big East type player because you gotta have one of those. You gotta have that closer. You know, you gotta have that Miles Powell on Seton Hall, that Marcus Howard on Marquette, that Kamar Baldwin on Butler. Those type of guys. Omar Yurt 7. Alpha Diallo. Those type guys. To close out games for you. And St. John doesn't have that right now. They don't have that all big east level type player. Get one of those guys with this supporting cast, and this is a really, really good team. And obviously that makes you think: wow, if Shimori Pons were still here, where would we be right now? I don't want to think that way anymore though. But but yes, if, if Pons was still here, I think this season is, is very, very differently. But he's not. So yes, they have the talent to to play in all these games. They just don't have the talent to win. And that's where the most frustrating part of this season, and it's been a very, very frustrating season. But I think some people think that it's mutually exclusive, where it's either, hey, we're building something for the future. We were picked to finish ninth in the conference. We're in ninth right now. You know, there wasn't reason to expect anything. That's the positive, obviously. Or it's the negative, hey, you know, Georgetown up by 17 at the half, or in the second half. Seton Hall up by 13 at halftime. Butler up by five with three minutes to go. Xavier up by five with two minutes to go. You have to win all those games. You know, this has been crazy that we haven't. That's the negative side. Those two aren't mutually exclusive, though. Like, you can be upset about losing all four of those games while also being encouraged by the progress this season. I think that's kind of where the disconnect comes sometimes. But I'm just trying to offer an explanation as to why we've seen that. And that's what I've come up with, at least. So if it's stupid, I apologize. But that's what I've come up with, is that they have enough talent to compete in these games. They just don't have that closer, and they just don't have enough talent late in games to win, to close them out. Even with Heron and Figueroa. Even with Heron and Figueroa playing well, they don't have enough talent, I don't think. Next year, year after that, we'll see. But those are just my thoughts. Uh, on what's been, like I said, a a, a frustrating season, but also a, an encouraging season. And there's five games left. We'll see where they go in those five games. You, you basically have to get two wins if you're going to be in the NIT. Because if you're 16 and 15, you can lose a game. You can lose your first round game on that Wednesday night. 16 and 16 and then you might still get in the NIT at 500 if you're below 500 it's going to be tough to get in the NIT I don't even think you're eligible to be honest with you to get in the NIT below 500 you know if you're 15 and, and 17 or something or 14 and 18 or you know it's, you're not getting the NIT then but if you're if you're if you're 500 and you've got you know five big east wins if you go five and 13 and you finish 500 on the season I think you'd get in the NIT. and That'd be really, really fun to see them play in the NIT. So that should be the goal. Try to get two more wins. It's going to be tough. They're playing five ranked teams. To go two and three is not going to be easy. That should be the goal. Definitely try to get one. And then and, and the goal should be getting two. Get to two and three. But we'll see. We'll see where it goes from there. But now let's uh, let's get to our interview portion. We're going to talk with... An old rival of mine, someone who I've known for a couple—I think about two years now—and uh, he's—he's—he's a—he's a big enemy of mine. He's a big Seton Hall fan. He wants to remain anonymous, though, out of fear of the St. John's fan base. So he won't—he won't be giving away his name or anything like that. But he does know his stuff. I have to give him credit. He—he he definitely knows his Seton Hall and his Big East basketball. He's going to be a good interview here, and uh, it's coming up right after this. So hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'm now joined by. Someone who, I guess I would call him a friend. He's more of a rival or an enemy. Uh, first name Tommy. He's a Seton Hall alum. Big Seton Hall fan. And like I said, he's an enemy, but but he does know his college basketball, and he does especially know his Seton Hall basketball. So thank you for coming on, sir. No problem. Uh, pleasure to be on. Well... To start this show, uh, we always do this with every single guest, with every single interview that we do. I don't know how often you've listened to this podcast, but we always have them come on and just say something nice about St. John's, the basketball team only, because it's not a whole lot nice to say about the school. So you've got to just, real quick for me, just say something nice about uh, the St. John's basketball team this season before we start this interview. Uh, I think
1: the the nicest thing I'll say is I think you guys hired the right guy. Okay. I think Mike Anderson proven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean the only thing that's skeptical about it doesn't have ties to the area, but also he I think getting the most out of the guys that you guys have on your roster right now. Obviously, uh, you know, your last regime, you know, as many Saint John fans will say, is Chris Moore I don't think was the right guy. No. I think mean, he was a, a hire that you guys more a face, you know, seeing Saint John's alum, but I think Mike Anderson, you know, once he gets his footing at St. John's, you know, I think you'll you see that every program in the East, you have to have the right guy leading your program. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, what's his name at Butler's getting it right with Jordan? Yep. Uh, you know, Greg McDermott's been created for so long. Mm-hmm. In this conference, you need to find the right guy to lead your team to you get the right talent. Guys are the biggest hub. Um, also i think you know you guys have not i don't think there hasn't been one or two games where i think you guys haven't been in it yeah mm-hmm. which, is, which is saying a lot because you know lj hasn't been playing as good as you guys probably want him to mustafa's out for the year but you guys got you know Dunn, brotherford forget the big the big fella's name
0: roberts uh, well uh, yeah roberts probably
1: yeah not that, no, the heavier, like... Oh, Erlington, Earlington. like, you guys are getting big minutes out of guys you guys weren't expecting. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think Shamari leaving kind of killed this roster because he was a guy that you guys could depend on scoring the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the center, you know, where is he nowadays, the center you guys had to transfer Western, West Virginia graduate?
0: the center C.D. C- Kata you mean or, or yeah whatever happened to me, oh he just left he's annoying he he like talks shit about them on Twitter too it's it's weird I don't know why he does that yeah, yeah
1: I mean obviously Anderson Keenan program is kind of I mean hey the coaching the coaching search was kind of yeah
0: debodiment. that sucked
1: um, but I mean I think you guys got it right with the guys brought in and I think you know that's a positive outlook for all St. John's fans absolutely you guys have a coach who I think you know it's going to be there a while I mean, hence, you know, just looking at the Seton Hall program five years ago, you know, people probably wanted to hang Coach's head, but he, uh, you know, he turned the program around. He brought in the right guys, the belts, the guys here. So I think Anderson's going to do the same thing at St. John's, hopefully.
0: Fair enough. That, that was a very responsible answer by you. I thought you were going to give something sarcastic and you gave a real mature answer. So thank you for that. I love Mike Anderson
1: she <laughs> never got fired at Arkansas all
0: right well well let's talk about your school we uh, we return to the scene of the crime on on Sunday when we play you guys the the scene of the screw job which I'm still upset about at least can you at least admit now over a year later that we got absolutely screwed in that game and it ruined our entire season and we would have been a sweet 16 team had we won that game and they got that call right can you just admit that?
1: No, I can't admit that. Like, <laughs> Shavar Reynolds still drain a three-pointer
0: and I, foul. I haven't seen Shavar Reynolds. Like, I, I watch almost every Seton Hall game. I've seen Shavar Reynolds make, like, four shots in the last year.
1: That's a lot. Yeah, he's had two threes in the last two games.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, and, but I'm not, I'm not watching when he's and, making in defense, it. in kind of came back
1: to against Crayton last week, and then Tyshawn Alexander stepped
0: out of bounds. Okay, sure. But you guys are still top ten or whatever. But, but,
1: I, I mean, this thing. Correct. Um, it's a game of basketball uh, The yeah. referees call the game we, we can't control what the referees do Fair enough. I think that replays have to be in, Instituted in college basketball More mm-hmm. um, I think the NBA right now is doing it right By giving a coach a coach's challenge um, I think that's something that should come to the college basketball game as well because obviously it's, uh, referees are humans. Yeah. Um, and you see within soccer, you see in every sport right now that you know, VAR and instant replays can change the whole game. And that and that changed the complexion of the whole game last year. Um, I'm not going to say it was a screw job because it, <laughs> it, uh, on, in, on our end, it, it came out, you know, the positive way, I think, you know, there's a lot of things in the game, and that NCAA needs to fix. And I think that's probably the biggest one is instant replay within two minutes at the end of the game should be, in the coach should have a challenge.
0: Fair enough. So fair that,
1: enough. That, that that does that changed the whole complexion of that game last year. But you know, I can't call it a screwdriver since there's you know nothing on either side that could have been done due to the, the rules in place currently.
0: Okay. Fair. Fair enough. Let's talk about your team currently. Uh, you guys were riding high, obviously top of the Big East, just one loss. As of this recording, you've lost two in a row. Um, no one really saw that coming. The loss at Providence was a pretty tough one. What in your mind has, has gone wrong in these last two games for Seton Hall where they've obviously kind of fell apart a little bit early? Well, what's been the biggest issue for you, though? Uh, I think you've
1: started to the creating game. Uh, obviously, I, I, I don't think anything really went wrong in the creating game. They're probably one of the hottest teams in the country right mm-hmm. now. I mean, mm-hmm. score eighty two points at home, you expect to win a game in the Big East. Um, you know, they are a very talented team. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a letdown. I mean, it wasn't like we lost to an unranked team last Wednesday against the number twenty three in the country, number fifteen right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they play a style of basketball that is kind of the opposite of what we do. You know, they run the ball, they they don't Kind of play almost like a Mike D'Antoni running gun style, where they're moving up the court a little faster than I guess the normal teams and the biggies do. Where it's a lot, lot slower pace, mm-hmm. uh, and they have got they've you know three a trio of three guards that are fantastic: and Alexander, uh, Balik, and I'm not Zegarazzi Zegarazzi. Like, right <laughs> I even try to pronounce his name, <laughs> um, but and then they have those. They have Bishop and Mahoney. They have a solid starting yeah. five, which do mm-hmm. I don't think people look at. It, is that Mahoney's probably one of the biggest impact transfers? You know, who came mid-season this year, and mm-hmm. he obviously made a big difference. You know, we were in the game down one point, and they hit a wide-open three, and you know that kind of steal it. And I mean, I mean, I think you're alluding into it a little later in here is, You know, the slow starts have killed us.
0: This yeah.
1: Year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. We were down 20 to 2 and we lost by four points. <laughs> uh, I think that says a lot about this team and the perseverance, but, you know, we, you can't, and any, no one, I mean, you see it in college basketball. Your team gets off to a slow start that's going to kill your momentum and your mm-hmm. game plan. Mm-hmm. The first five to 10 possessions of every college basketball game are scripted. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what they're coming out with, and if it doesn't go your way, I mean, Alpha Diallo had like 17 points in the first, like, eight minutes yeah. of the game. I think that's what's gone wrong. I don't think there's anything kind of let down or what we expected. I mean, Providence is a great team. I think, you know the ball kind of hasn't rolled their way this year i mean they have a very talented roster i think their biggest issue is you know on the other end is you know, they don't have a true point guard on that team right now
0: yeah much like they, us yeah. they have
1: they have a guy coming in next year buying who's going to be a real difference maker but i mean i don't think anything's really gone wrong i mean okay both teams just their offense clicked and ours just wasn't i guess we didn't come out firing so i think you know You'll see it, you know. Slow start will kill you. Mm-hmm. you know we were in the great game the whole game, so mm-hmm. it was nothing we did wrong.
0: So, what's been the reason for the slow starts? Obviously, you mentioned the one against Providence. The one against Xavier was what, like thirty to six or something like that. What, like they, they seem like they're getting hit with these big runs a lot, even in games that they don't get off the slow starts. Uh, what's the re? I have kind of a theory for that, but what do you think the reason is? <laughs>
1: I mean, I think the number one thing is shots just aren't falling. Mm -hmm. We're we're taking a lot of outside three-point shots, not driving the hole. And, you know, the Providence game, it just seemed like everything they were shooting was going in, and we were trying to match them on their end, which I don't think is our game. I also think a lot of it has to do with, you know, nothing against them, but, you know, these teams are throwing a six-7 guy against our, our star player and yeah. miles you know and mm-hmm. he is the rhythm of our offense mm-hmm. so you know taking him out begin the game you know we're looking to those for those guys to step up and take those shots that you know he's normally making and they're just not going in mm-hmm. um, I mean it's, I don't think it's our defense because our defense has kind of been the reason we've been in most games this year yeah um, I mean, I think it's it's one, you know, our team not making the shots. And it's, it's simple to say. I think it's their opposing team's the offense is clicking, and ours just isn't at the beginning of the game. But it seems like on the fly, Coach Willard is making those adjustments. And, you know, both those games, we were, we were out of it well into it, but we crawled our way back into both those games. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know. Shots has got to start falling to begin the game, and I think this team could go a long way if that happens. You,
0: you mentioned Coach Willard there after the the Providence game. He had some choice words, obviously, for the team's attitude. Um, I mean, you don't have to mention specifics. We all know kind of what players he was talking about there, about guys, you know, having bad attitudes and in, in, in practice and things like that. How much does that concern you? I mean, if I was a fan of a team that is is number ten at the time in the country, and I got my coach ripping players for for having bad attitudes during games I'd be concerned Uh, but I mean how much does that concern you as as a Seton Hall fan?
1: It doesn't concern me at all
0: Really? That's
1: that's the way that Coach Willard coaches the game (laughs) He expects the best of his players every day uh, on and off court you know being a fan for as long as I have and going through some of the errors here you gotta understand that your coach these kids are 18 to 21 years old some of them up to like 23 on our team here Um 25 actually um but
0: you who's 25
1: i think Ro roe is 25 i think he's also 25 <laughs> um but if, you have to understand these kids are 18 to 21 years old and and it's just terrible to say but they've kind of been you know since they're talented at basketball no one's ever kind of told them they're doing something wrong hmm and they just think by, you know, their natural abilities that they're going to be able to, you know, play against these teams in this conference. But, you know, for me, I think it's more of a wake-up call. You okay. Know? Coach has very high expectations for his team, and as do our fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, for us, I, for me, I was like, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, A, not for now, but for next year going forward, like, there's big expectations for the, the people that he did call out, yeah. you know, to step up, you know team has a lot of expectations, and, you know, um, you know, as a fan, we, we, we want the best out of our players. But at the same time, like, you know, tough love is part of the game, mm-hmm. part of being an athlete. Like, any kid growing up, you know, if your coach is just saying it's all, you know, peaches and daisies, like, that's not the attitude I want out of my coach. Like, I want him to tell players who aren't stepping up and who are pouting on the bench and who aren't happy with their playing time, like, earn your playing time. Mm-hmm. You're a so, Division One athlete. There's 12 guys on this roster who want to play. If you're not going to step up to the challenge, like someone's going to replace you.
0: So, so you look at that as as more of a, a calculated thing from Willard, as opposed to maybe a frustration after a game. You look at that as something that he kind of planned almost. I, no,
1: I don't think he planned it. But I mean, I think he was frustrated. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. But at the same time, like, you agree? Why is he going to hide? Why is he going to hide it?
0: Yeah. Okay. I think it's
1: obvious, and you know. Those three guys are very crucial to our rotation. Mm -hmm. Mm So I think that's kind of it.
0: Okay. I I did my research here. You'll see. And I, I have Miles Powell, his last four home games before tonight, obviously they play Butler in a couple hours. Last four home games before tonight, fourteen point seven points per game, well below his season average, shooting just twenty eight percent from the field and just four of thirty two from three point range. Is there any, you know, reason for those struggles? Is there anything that you're seeing as a fan, or is it just, you know, like you said, the ball's not going in?
1: I mean, I think it's the matchup. He's trying to create a shot against a six seven guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know what well, you saw it last night. Tyshawn Alexander is, is one of the best defenders, yeah. if not the best defender in the big East right now. I agree. Now. Yep. Uh, you know, he with Marcus Howard had like, thirteen points last night, which is seventeen points below his current average. Uh-huh. I mean you gotta look at the matchups that he's going against. Uh Providence, both times he's going against Alpha Diallo, who's six seven. Um, I forget who DePaul threw against him. Also a taller defender. Mm-hmm. Who's got DePaul? It's uh, uh, Scruggs. I forget who they
0: threw Yeah, i him. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I wouldn't know. And then, know. They put, then <laughs> against
1: Marquette, they put, you know, I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the Big East against him. It's, it's matchups.
0: Yeah. He's trying to create shots, and shots that are normally going in are,
1: are tougher to take, you know. I think he needs to drive the ball more, more to the hole. Look to get the ball and bring it up court and drive the hole. I think that's when he's been the most successful this year, is when he drives kind of to the basket. He's got a a very strong kid, first size. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I don't see it as a struggle for at home. I just think natural wise, coaches, you know, Xavier was throwing Najee Marshall against the the coaches this year are not, they're third, they know what he's capable of. Yeah you know they're creating that matchup problem there. I think it's more on you know I think he needs to start creating I mean I think he's been creating more for guys off the dribble too mm-hmm. um, his shots aren't falling and I think he forces a few here and there
0: okay uh, you've got Creighton and you've got Villanova kind of right on your tail for that top spot in the Big East Creighton's obviously playing out of their minds right now as you mentioned you got uh, Butler's in the pack even Marquette is kind of there although they just lost last night which of those teams scares you scares you the most obviously you know Creighton has t- taken you down once this season but of those kind of teams that are in the hunt uh, who, who scares you the most that they're going to take away that top spot in the Big East make the Big East tournament a little bit tougher and then maybe make the NCAA tournament a little bit tougher for you guys uh, I think
1: it's Creighton or Nova mm-hmm. uh, Creighton I think I touched on a little earlier they have a a very dynamic offense.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that is kind of tough uh, for us to figure out on our end. Um, so I think I kind of touched on who they are. Yeah. 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 Nova, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Jay Wright's one of the best coaches in the country. Mm-hmm. He's got a very talented team with Sadiq, Jermaine, and Colin Glepsey, Um, as well as you know someone like Brian Antoine, who I think he's going to get more minutes as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, top fifteen prospects. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Nova's one of those teams that get better. You know, as the season goes on, just because they're coaching, like at Michigan State, their coaching is just that good. Yeah. That Gay Wright usually figures it out. Um, I just think his team this year is a little different than the past. I don't necessarily think he has that one star player. He kind of has that trio who. You know, Gillespie will drop twenty-five, but Jermaine Samuels will disappear, or Sadiq will disappear. So mm-hmm. I think him going forward. I think you know, obviously with Jay Wright being the coach in Nova, you're always kind of scared of that. But you know, the beauty of the Big East that you know we'll play both those teams again. Uh, one of one of them is at the Rock, um, and then one is you know in Omaha, which is always a tough place to play. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And you'll probably see them in the Big East tournament as well. Uh, you know, we, we touched on those two teams. Obviously, you guys close the regular season out with, with two games against them, with Butler on Wednesday night, and then, I believe, against Marquette as well. So four ranked teams, and then my loser teams kind of sandwiched in between. Uh, is there a potential for a look ahead? Because I, I feel like, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, but I feel like there is kind of that potential for a look ahead when you look at how Seton Hall has gotten off to some slow starts as we mentioned, St. John's has gone up to some really fast starts in games as, as we've as we've seen. Um, Sunday afternoon game, you know, in between a bunch of ranked teams. I, I think there's a chance for a look ahead. What do you see in that though?
1: I don't think there's a look-ahead team at the Big East. Okay. Uh, I don't care where they fall in the rankings. This is t- one of the toughest, if not the toughest, conference in in the NCAA this year. Um, besides the Big 12, I don't, I don't think from top to bottom there's a team in this conference you can see you come out and mm-hmm. you know win a game. Um, I think the big thing a lot of people think is the look-ahead, but we, we play St. John's on Sunday, and then we don't play again till Saturday at Pat Marquette. Oh, okay. So, um, I don't I don't if we play Wednesday potentially yeah I, I don't see you know especially coming off two straight losses and a big game tonight against Butler um, I, I don't see any potential for a look at um, especially since you know St Johns being right across the rivers you know it's a rivalry mm-hmm. I still think in the big east you know probably two two closest teams in the conference so mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see you know our guys, A, you know, last year kinda of losing at the garden. Mm-hmm. I don't think left a taste in their a good taste in their mouth, so I think, you know I don't think there's I don't think there's any potential for a look ahead in this conference. Yeah.
0: In if that you in you the... you'll lose a game. Mm. Fair enough, probably. In the, in the first meeting, though, the, uh, McKnight had 20-7. and Romero-Gale, 14 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 blocks. Gil, Gil killed us in that game. I felt like he altered every single shot that uh, that we took in the paint, basically took the paint away from us, it felt like. Uh, do you see those two guys kind of leading? Obviously, Powell's going to get his. Do you see those two guys, though, kind of leading the way and setting the tone? Do you see someone else stepping up, though? Who, who can you see stepping up if, if, you, uh, if you do see someone else?
1: Yeah, I mean, the beauty of this team, I think every guy on this roster can step up. You see, Q, Roro Romero, Sandro, Jared, um, you know, hopefully we we'll play a cohesive team game and all four of those guys, all five of those guys step up and play a kind of a team game. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important going into the last two weeks of the season, going towards the East tournament and, you know, hopefully and potentially the NCAA tournament is that, you know, those guys... Paul played a cohesive game. I think Rowe at the you know at the center position changes the whole game just with his length, mm-hmm. um, his scoring output. You know we run the pick and roll with him with Q. Uh, it's a game changer. You know you off the net, off the off the ball is a very strong offensive player. Um, but, you know, but guys like Jared Roden, Sandro, been playing you know relatively well the last few games. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully those guys step up as well. And, you know, lean on Miles as well to kind of get that you know consistent scoring on a Sunday game, being one of his last games at
0: Prudential Center. Oh, true. Yes. And I'll let you go on this. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, obviously, because you're going to be biased and take Seaton Hall. Although it's pretty obvious who's going to win this game. But we know St. John's doesn't have the the talent to win this game. You know, we've seen them time. And Time again, come up short in these close games. So they can't win this game on their own. They're not gonna take this game away from Seton Hall. In your mind, what does Seton Hall have to do to avoid giving this game away? You know, like how like like how does Seton Hall avoid losing this game and giving it to St. John's in your mind? Like I
1: said. I don't think there's a guinea game in this conference. These guys are all Division One college basketball players. You know, they all are immensely talented, uh, as you know. Uh, you know, someone like Figueroa go off of 25 points. A guy like Dunn can score 18. You know, I think, you know, this is the way that both teams come out. St. John's hits first know we've kind of seen season all has kind of a problem you know counter counter punching a fast start from another team uh, but at the same time I think you know it will be a very good game uh, I think it will be a lot closer than people think uh, just because you know there's always that Energy in the Seaton Hall versus St.
0: John's. Mhm, It has become pretty good rivalry recently. Uh, I'm not going in too too confident, and I'm sure it'll be yeah. I'm sure it'll be a close game, and I'm sure you guys will come in on top, like uh, like most St. John's games have been this season, and most Seton Hall games have been this season.
1: You need a more
0: positive attitude there, Troy. <laughs> it's hard to be positive. Listen, I'm positive for the future, but uh, but now. Well, I'll, I'll ask you this before I let you go, actually. Um, it feels like St. John's is kind of building a little bit of, of a Seton Hall-type team with, you know, Robert, Champagny, Erlington, uh, Greg Williams, where if they can get, like, that one Big East, all Big East-type player, like a recruit, and they have a really solid, you know, foundation to kind of build around, where I feel like Seton Hall's kind of done that, where they have Powell, obviously, but then, you know, Kale, uh, Rodin, Gill, uh, McKnight, you know, all those type of guys, uh, Sandro, they've got like a solid core to build around Powell. I feel like St. John's can kind of uh, do that same thing and emulate Seton Hall in a way. Do you, do you kind of see that as well?
1: I mean, I think that's all. With every college basketball team in the country, I think mm-hmm. that's... A, it starts with coaching. Mm-hmm. Having the right coach is, you know, the most important part. You know, having the right coaching staff with them, developing guys. I think if you, if you see the progression of some of the players on each team, it's, you know... I don't want to keep dashing Chris Mullen or your
0: previous <laughs> coaching
1: team. It's just you didn't see that, that jump from mm-hmm. players mm-hmm. you need to do that consistently you see in every team in the Big East like Alexander or uh, Kamar Baldwin guys that you know guys that you need to develop your guys you know you see, see at the keys like you know you don't see a lot of schools in d having guys who are one and done. Yeah. The, the, the players and keeping them within the conference is what's more important. You know, mm-hmm. the last D day, Saint Francis, Villanova, you know, Diallo of Providence, mm-hmm.
0: Uh, mm-hmm.
1: people who you know you gotta see the, the cost of development and that starts with coaching staff and that builds around your core. And you know, obviously, like having a coaching change or not consistency at the head coaching position kind of changes the direction of a program every year.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, well, a very, a very fair take from you, and a very mature interview from you. So I really appreciate that, and I, and I appreciate you for coming on, man. You were, you did a very good job. Very knowledgeable. No problem. Can't wait to see you in the, in the stance on Sunday. Absolutely. I'll be there, and I will see you on Sunday as well. Enjoy the game, and uh, good, good luck tonight as well against Butler, because you you're probably be at need it. Be a Reds for a pregame beer. Yeah, we will be there for Reds. All right, all right. See you later, man. No problem.
1: Bye. <laughs>
0: All right, big thanks there once again to my buddy Tommy for coming on, Seton Hall alum. He uh, wants to remain anonymous again, but he did a really, really good job breaking down Seton Hall, breaking down the Big East, and he was very complimentary towards St. John's for a Seton Hall fan. I thought he was very, very complimentary, which kind of goes against his tone in the past. So maybe this is a little bit of an easing of uh, of tensions between uh, myself and him and my, and the fan bases as a whole. Uh, I'll probably be rooting for Seton Hall in the tournament. So so we'll see. Because I can't root for Villanova, but I'll, maybe I'll root for Seton Hall depending on who they play and, and what goes on. But uh, but yeah, for the rest of this podcast, obviously. Only a couple weeks left in the season. We will have a show. I'm going to do a Periscope probably after the season Hall game on Sunday. We'll have a show out next Wednesday after the Villanova game. It's a, it's a 6.30 start, so we'll have a show. It won't even be that late. Regardless of, of how that game ends, we will do a show. And then we have a big show in two weeks. Uh, I have locked up a a pretty cool interview with someone who, if you live in the New York, or in the tri-state area really, you definitely know him, you definitely know his voice and it's yeah i'm really excited to do it i've been trying to do it for almost a year now and uh we finally have locked down a date i'm gonna go to the creighton game at carneseca and interview him there and then the episode will probably come out later that week so that's in two weeks from now keep an eye on that and uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it a surprise for now but it should be a really really cool interview but yeah that wraps up today's show thank you again to my friend for coming on there thank you all for listening hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week up until the uh, the Seton Hall game on Sunday. And if anyone is at the Seton Hall game and is uh, going to be there pregame, I will be at Red's, the, the beer garden, right by the Prudential Center. If anyone wants to, want to stop in and say hi, I will be there. And, uh, yeah, everyone enjoy the rest of their week. And as always, let's go Johnny's.